I'm editing this part out. All right. Uh, welcome to Go Analog Baby, the podcast where Adam and Aaron discuss tech topics related to Apple and similar technologies. Uh, I'm Adam. I'm an iOS developer in Michigan. And as always, I'm joined by Aaron, who is a QA tester, also out of Michigan. Uh, this has been kind of a big week, Aaron. Uh, we had the Apple uh, special event. Is that what they were calling it? The special event? Yeah, I heard some people calling it a keynote, but that was never, they just called it, yeah, the special event. Yeah, they wish that they could say more. I, I think on the Apple TV they called it a special event. And uh, they announced some really fun things, so I think uh, we'll basically go through and give our reactions uh, a little bit to that. Cool, sounds awesome. All right, so starting uh, with the beginning of the keynote, uh, first thing that Apple announced is the iPhone 6 and 6 Plus, the names that I thought were terrible they ended up going with. Uh, what were your uh, initial reactions to uh, the new iPhones? So, yeah, we both predicted last week that they would not go with the Plus name for the new iPhone, which we were both wrong about. But that actually has been rumored for the last couple of generations, at least the last generation of phone. Uh, so it's interesting to see that it actually did pop up. Um, and as for the phones themselves, I was actually pleasantly surprised. I was a little disappointed going into the special event because there was a lot of hardware leaks for the 4.7 inch uh, iPhone. And uh, I was like I said, pleasantly surprised when I actually saw the final package uh, of the device that it was really nice. Like I like seeing it in the you know professionally done photos that Apple has, like the nice intro videos to introduce the hardware. Um, one thing that really stood out to me was it wasn't a surprise the, uh, the, the frame shape, but just the way that the glass display kind of curves to meet the frame yeah. of the device is really, really nice. And that's something that the leaks didn't really display at all. So that was something that was really cool to see. Uh, what do you think of the hardware? Uh, so uh, I'm kind of surprised to hear you say that because I was kind of under the impression that we knew pretty much what we were going to get hardware-wise. And that's what we got. I think you're right that with like the promotional videos and the slideshows, uh, they they looked way sexier um, than you know Mr. Blurry Cam or Mr. Shaky Cam spy shots and like oh here's a front panel and here's you know yeah held uh, by an Asian dude you can't understand <laughs> yeah and he's like oh yeah we taped together all the parts that we found from or we stole from various manufacturers or whatever. Um, so I was actually kind of, uh, unsurprised by the hardware. You're right that it looks beautiful. Um, I knew that I was going to be getting, uh, one of these phones, mm -hmm. you know, before they were even announced. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that uh, I'm disappointed. Um, but yeah, I, I, I felt like I, I kind of knew what I was going to get, uh, going into it. I will say that what's been kind of surprising uh, to me, though, has been how uh, much positive reaction there's been for the 5.5-inch. Um, 
it seems like of the people that I've asked who are getting new iPhones, uh, about two thirds of them are going to be getting the 5.5. And there's more people that are on the fence, which just kind of blows my mind because that just seems like uh, too big of a size. And I think what really blows my mind is that uh, for a while, it seemed like iPhone users were very uh, down on the phablet size uh i know other iphone people that i've talked to they're like oh look at that galaxy note that just looks ridiculous it's like holding an ipad up to your face and now it seems like kind of the tables have turned and now that it's an iphone they're like oh yeah that that would be great and i'd love the extra battery life and Mm -hmm. extra screen real estate so yeah that is kind of funny because i totally agree that has been the prevailing attitude for the last couple years uh and definitely with those uh note galaxy note products that samsung's been putting out it kind of has the uh taking pictures with your ipad syndrome that like you're just you know they're out in the wild enough and people are used to that uh phenomenon that like it just becomes commonplace and people like you know just start gravitating towards that kind of thing yeah um I we also got kind of along the lines of iPhone we got uh the Xcode 6 Goldmaster which allows you to simulate the iPhone 6 and iPhone 6 Plus. Oh okay, so they actually have those real screen sizes in there now because I know before Ex- in the developer previews they had like a readjustable simulator window so you could if you were maybe in the know, or you kind of had an idea that a larger screen size was coming, you could kind of approximate the size, but now they're actually shipping the correct resolutions in the in the yeah. last Gold Master. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, what iPhone 6, one of the new features of iPhone 6, uh, which came out after WWDC, is size classes. Uh, and so for visual layout things, instead of having like, a rectangle where this is your iPhone 4 or iPhone 5 uh, screen and you kind of just drag things you like have a square that represents your phone or tablet and so you're not supposed to care about what the size of the screen is gonna end up being so um, you say this button goes in the upper left this goes in the upper right there's a bar navigation bar across the top 64 pixels and then the table view takes up the rest of the space doesn't matter if it's 320 pixels wide or 640 or 750, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it was actually kind of cool playing around with the new beta, knowing what the new uh, phone sizes are going to be. Uh, and once I got a couple of bugs worked out, I could see how much more content you get to see uh, once you uh, adjust your apps to layout properly for these new phones. And uh, the 5.5 inch phone is big and you see a lot of content with it. Uh, and that's, I, I don't know what else to say about it other than that. It's, I, I still think it's just too big for me. Um, but for some people who want to see uh, a lot more content with their apps, I think that it uh, could be really good. Cool. And uh, just from your perspective as a developer, are you excited about what this form factor offers like or what kind of aspects you can incorporate into your apps now that you have a little more screen size to play with it seemed like Apple was sort of showing what they would consider a good use of the 5.5 inch screen size 
uh, when they showed off the messages app that next to each one of your messages threads there's your contacts photo or if you turn the phone into landscape mode you get that two column view that isn't present in any of the smaller models uh, just the 5.5 inch iPhone 6 plus in the uh, two iPad sizes so yeah. I, I'm just kind of curious as, as a developer uh, is there anything in particular that you're interested in playing with you know uh, so there's a, an opportunity there, um, but I also kind of feel like uh, Apple Apple like sets bars with the apps that they put out. Um, they they did this. Oh yeah, in messages on the 5.5 inch, we have more screen real estate, so you see the photos of your friends and they disappear if you're on the 4.7 inch, and if you're in landscape, then you see the split view. Um, but uh, I. I think that there's an expectation as a developer that you kind of make better use of the screen real estate, which um, kind of puts a little bit of pressure on the development community, I think, which can be good, but it can also introduce more complexity, which is uh, something that I usually tend to avoid. So um, I, I don't really know. I know that I, when I was working on an interface, when I knew that there were going to be bigger screen sizes coming out, I took that into account. Like, all right, this is going to need to get bigger and get smaller, and I can't say this will be explicitly this width. But I didn't really give much thought to, all right, what extra things can I display to take advantage of the screen real estate? So something that I have to kind of get accustomed to, I think, and the development community has to adjust to. Mm -hmm. Okay, yeah, and actually you mentioned something that was really interesting, is that Apple kind of sets an expectation for what apps are like uh, going forward. And especially like we keep going back to the the way messages is laid out in iOS 8 but it's also important to realize that Apple is a gigantic company with almost unlimited resources and this is their platform so of course they want to make their apps look fantastic but a lot of these smaller independent third-party developers who might just be an individual don't have the same kind of resources and might have to kind of pick what they spend their time on and maybe this is something that uh just you know d uh falls through the cracks uh, yeah but apple likes to pride themselves on being a small shop and you know we don't know exactly what goes on uh inside their walls but i i kind of picture it as and i feel like i've heard this before that they like kind of build up small teams and then break them down so like i could picture like three or four developers coming together and like a designer or something and being like, oh, we're going to redo messages for, you know, the new iPhones. And then they, you know, go in there for a month or two and then they put that together and then they go on to other things. I, and I could be way off base, but uh, I think my point is that they, what they try to do is to show you the direction that they would like you to take. And it's kind of something to strive for. And I think, you know, Apple makes the best stuff on the planet, the best software on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. So as a developer, I'm almost always going to fall short, and most of the people that I know are going to fall short, but it's just something, you know, that they want you to shoot for. Right. Cool. Okay. Yeah, and also, uh, besides just the larger screen size that you're able to play with on these uh, two new iPhone models, there's a couple other cool hardware features that got introduced. Uh, they have finally added in NFC support uh, so you can use mobile payments which we'll, I'm sure we'll touch on in a little bit. They added support for uh, uh, 
uh, AC Wi-Fi, which I'm personally really excited about because I have a AC uh, wireless network at home, so I would be able to take advantage of that. And they also uh, put in a elevation sensing barometer, which is really cool for uh, Mary Beth because she, a lot of her exercise is running up and down stairs at work, and I do the same. So that's going to be really cool for fitness tracking. Huh. Okay, so uh, the AC router aspect, uh, or AC Wi-Fi, mm-hmm. it is AC, what, what is that? I'm not really familiar with that. So that is the draft standard of the next generation of Wi-Fi. So currently mm-hmm. we're on N, which only recently was officially ratified, but there's been routers supporting the draft spec of N for, I don't know, like seven years or so. This is the next generation of Wi-Fi technology, and uh, I, you know it's been around for a little while. My uh, Airport Extreme actually has support in it, and I think that's been out since about 2012 or so. So it's you know just starting to pick up momentum now. And do you know what the speed is of AC Wi-Fi? Looks like 1.3 gigabits per second. Does that sound right? Uh, I suppose so, yeah. Hard to say with real-world usage, but I'm hoping to see like a pretty nice uh, uptick in you know, Wi-Fi speeds when I'm using my iPhone. And hopefully huh. that's something that they start throwing into all their other devices, including their uh, Mac hardware. Huh. I need to get an Apple router. I should not be using this uh, Comcast router. Oh, it's no. It's just killing me. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed to, to admit it on, on live podcast to to uh all the chat room people listening in live podcast yeah the chat um, room's exploding uh, right now yeah right <laughs> uh so yeah that's uh that's really cool that's exciting that might actually you know maybe the good to come out of that is that it pushes me to get a uh, apple router there you go uh, will i be limited by the speed of my uh w- like carriers uh internet speed you know what i mean yeah yeah that would be the bottleneck um if you had something like uh, just your normal comcast service i you know it's hard i don't know exactly uh what the numbers are but i think unless you had like fiber internet your internet connection will probably be the the bottleneck there not the router yeah you'll be maxing that up okay cool uh so that's that's great and that's very exciting and will probably lead to me getting a new router and maybe bumping my my internet specs also. Um, one of the things that you mentioned though uh, is Apple Pay, which I think was actually my favorite part of the entire uh, event um, and probably what I'm most excited about about my iPhone six. Mm-hmm. Um, and we we touched on it last week, but being able to potentially not have to carry around uh credit cards phenomenal um and i really love the way that they do it where uh you uh it uses a touch id in order to verify at the same time because one of the things that uh people had mentioned that i uh that i was talking to was oh what if somebody is just walking by and they touch something to your phone and it you know pulls off your credit card so uh not only do you, uh, like it doesn't actually store your credit card numbers, but it does some kind of tokenization on their end uh, and creates like an ad hoc account number that only the you know, credit card company has access to. So if somebody else gets it, they don't actually get your credit card number. But the fact that you also have to 
kind of verify with a fingerprint that yes, I'm making this purchase also, and that it all works so fast. Um, and uh, it it just seems uh, I I don't know. I I think that it's going to be huge. I can see myself uh, going to different stores based on what offers Apple Pay and what doesn't, which I think is huge. I can see the same thing uh, happening with other people that I know. And uh, yeah, uh, I just, I'm, I'm very excited to try it out. Yeah, and you actually touched on one of the biggest things that I thought Apple was hammering home with Apple Pay, and that is the security factor of it. Like you mentioned that it's tokenized, which is great for, uh, you know, the peace of mind knowing that you're not actually storing your card credentials on your device. So if it gets stolen, you're not, it's not like they actually have a copy of your card or anything like that. Uh, additionally, they don't show the, the full uh, credit card number on the device. The cashier doesn't see any of your personal information and Apple doesn't know where you were when you bought something, what you bought, and how much it cost, uh, yeah. which I thought all of that is really important for Apple to hammer home, so I was really pleased to see that. And uh, as funny as it is, I'm really excited to play with Apple Pay 2, a more efficient way to for Apple to extract money from us. <laughs> uh, and you know what's really funny is uh, I told you that I got a new wallet, but since the special event, and they had that little infomercial where the you know, the woman can't get her card. Yeah, out yeah, of her she purse. bumbles around. Yeah. And, and then the cashier can't swipe it. And then, you know, she throws the thing out the window and it catches on fire. Um, now that's a different infomercial. But uh, I have noticed, like, I've taken notice of when I pay for things with my credit card, uh, how annoying that process is now. Like, I am like a character out of that infomercial. I, you know, have to you know, get my fingernail right in the right place to get my card out because I've got this minimalist wallet. Um, and last time I was paying for gas, I had to swipe the card multiple times in order for it to go through. And I'm like, ah, Apple Pay. Yeah, the, magne fast the magnetic strip starts fading. So exactly. like, the cashier has to take a plastic bag and like do the whole like routine. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you know, some people were, you know, talking online like, oh, you know, she fumbles around to take it out. But that really happens like my wallet is falling apart a little bit so like it kind of sna my card snags on the way out like it, it really is something that i deal with <laughs> yeah so, so it's not like a huge hassle they're eliminating from my life but it's enough that i'm you know going to be happy to not deal with that uh, at least at participating stores yeah um and speaking of participating stores one of the stores that they mentioned that are on board with apple pay is panera which I'm excited about. I go to Panera pretty frequently, um, maybe once every week or two. Um, and I went there yesterday, and I noticed that they actually had new uh, card swipers. So, and they had actually changed the process from uh, here, cashier, take my card and swipe it for me to uh, you kind of do the self-swipe thing. And I asked the cashier how long they had had those and she said uh, about three days which puts it pretty much in line with the day after the apple keynote which i don't know if these are it looks like they had an nfc sensor i don't know if they are like already set up to accept apple pay or if they'll have to be replaced um i guess 
I'm assuming that they will accept Apple Pay uh, because Panera's been working on this partnership for a while, I'd have to imagine, but uh, just thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah, and actually, don't quote me on this, but I have heard uh, rumored on the internet that a store doesn't have to explicitly support Apple Pay. They just have to have the machines that have NFC capability, and then you're still able to use it. So I take that with a grain of salt, but that's what I've heard. And uh, you mentioned that Panera is one of the stores that Apple has a partnership with. It's also kind of interesting to note the stores that are actively rooting against Apple Pay and have refused to incorporate it into their systems like Walmart and Best Buy, which are backing another uh, payment service by the company that owns Target. So it's, it's kind of interesting to see the, the companies that are rallying against this. And I kind of I kind of can't help but think that they're backing the wrong horse here. Like the, yeah. really the customer experience is uh, at the heart of what's cool about this system and that people are just going to have to, people are going to start demanding that these uh, companies start supporting this new process. There was a time in my life where I uh, could not keep the names Best Buy and Blockbuster straight to save my life. Uh, in just my lizard brain, I would be at one store and I'd be like, all right, time to go to Best Buy. And I'd be at a Blockbuster video and vice versa. Um, and I just can't shake the feeling that Best Buy is not long for this world. Um, just the brick and mortar concept. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. I don't know people who go to Best Buys like they used to. Um, I think that people are leaning towards more buying things online. I don't think it's a good experience. Um, and I think this might just be another, uh, uh, I don't know, a, a knife a notch in their belt. I don't know. Just yeah, another no, stabbing another. at the heart. I think uh, another exactly. big one that's going to help push that over the edge is like this sort of same day delivery concept that Amazon and Google are all working on. Like as soon as you have that instant gratification of like I ordered something and it is here the same day, going to the store is going to seem like antiquated. Like it's just yeah. like an unnecessary process. I like your pronunciation of antiquated. Antiquated. What are you drinking over there? I'm editing this part out. <laughs> uh, and one last thing about Apple Pay is Apple framed the uh, Apple Pay conversation as wanting to replace your wallet. Um, and credit card payments are only one piece of that. Uh, and I think uh, Passbook kind of can... Uh, replace like uh, gift cards and stuff like that and other things that people ke keep in their wallet um, but something that you are still going to have to keep at least for the time being is some sort of identification so if you're driving or if you are going someplace that you need to drink uh, or, or want to drink <laughs> not that you need to drink <laughs> um, but you know if you need to have identification you have to have, have that on you um, and thinking about how if they really want to replace the wallet, that that's a problem that they're going to have to tackle. Um, if you get pulled over, you know, better hope you're the cop that pulled you over accepts, you know, Apple ID or Apple identification. Or if you're going to the casino, uh, 
going to need to be able to take that or maybe just pull up a picture of your license on the phone and Apple will work with, you know, all the states and all the countries that they want to, you know, take part in this to say, hey, we need statutes in place that, you know, pictures on a uh, on a personal cell phone or on a smartphone count as identification or something even crazier. I don't even know. Um, but that's just going to be an interesting problem that they have to solve. Yeah, and then another interesting problem of what happens when your credit card batteries die. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's right. Man, I keep waiting for it, but I think one of these times we're just going to see a huge, huge jump in, uh, in the cell phone battery life. Like, it'll go from you have to charge it pretty much every night to you get three or four days worth of battery life. I think that there's going to be some, something huge. There has to be. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, hopefully it's right around the corner. Uh, and I don't want to skip ahead too much here, but that is one of the big concerns with all these smartwatch products is that they can't have a, a reliable battery life to last over you know, 10 to 12 hours. It doesn't really last through a full day of usage. So I think if anything is going to drive you know, fantastic battery gains, it's going to be these new smartwatches that are just popping up left and right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, that that seems like a really good segue, unless you had anything else on Apple Pay. I think we can come back to the iPhone, but I'm happy to start talking about the Apple Watch. All right, so uh, what were your uh, initial reactions to Apple's new exciting product category, wearables? So listening to the new episode of Accidental Tech Podcast, um, I kind of liked... John Syracuse's uh, line of questioning to the other two uh, co-hosts, which was, what were your first impressions? Like the gut feel, like the device rotates and you see it for the first time. What did you feel? And I couldn't help but think at the time like a slight twinge of disappointment. That was my initial gut reaction. It was a, it was a little bit uh, underwhelming. And I was actually with a mutual friend of ours, Mike Dickman at the time, and it was sort of echoed in the room, like, oh, man, I really was expecting, like, I don't know, like something something unexpected. <laughs> and this really kind of looked similar, like from afar at least, to, like, the LG G-Watch or uh, the Samsung Gear Fit, like a couple of these other Android smartwatches that are coming out. And uh, that was really my first visceral gut impression. But the more I, I watched the videos... Um, and saw the promotional material, and I actually went back and watched the keynote a second time when I got home due to the technical difficulties of the first viewing. And the more I saw it, the more I really appreciated the industrial design of the device. Uh, I really like the MagSafe-like charging connector on it. Um, mm -hmm. So I, I guess I'll ask you the same question Syracuse asked, and that was, what was your first impression of it? Like, the first impression. Uh, so... I guess my thought was that it looked exactly like that uh, CAD drawing yes, that yeah. had leaked the day before, uh, which I kind of expected. Um, and yeah, so I guess that was my initial reaction. Um, oh, and the video of the... Uh, like the bands sliding around and, you know, the extreme close-ups and... Oh, seeing those sensors, it looked like an alien spaceship. 
you know, it, yeah, it looked like an alien spaceship, but like the entire video seemed uh, kind of pornographic to me. Wow. Um, oh, yeah. Okay. I can maybe part of it saying. is that uh, the other Apple products like that have similar similar videos, right? Um, they don't. Those products don't have any moving parts. So when you've got the watch bands and you've got like things sliding past each other and magnets snapping into place and then jiggling a little bit, it's uh, it's almost too like sexual. Um, but uh, overall with the product, I, I'd, I'd also say, uh, right off the bat, a little bit disappointed. Um, are you going to get one? So that is a really good question. Um, considering that I got to save up for a wedding, that's the same year. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's a really good question. And I guess it kind of leads to the question of what is this device really for, uh, which is kind of an open question because previously in these launches Steve Jobs would take great care to explain the current state of the market and why a new product category they were announcing would make a big difference and what you could expect to see going forward and it, it kind of was a departure with this product launch because Tim Cook sort of just launched into here it is they didn't really build up to this is why we created it so I, I kind of get the impression that the vision is still forming. Like there, there's still a little bit of that spaghetti getting thrown against the wall. Like it is the way that he kind of just at the end threw out a, like a couple of use cases. Like oh yeah, and also I like using it as an Apple TV remote, and someone else likes using it as a walkie-talkie. Like they're just kind of like throwing out bullet point apps. So I, I guess like for what the first version is, it, it's interesting. But I don't know if that I'll be racing out to get it. Um, first day but the concept of having something like this on your wrist I really enjoy and the UI of what they showed was really cool so I don't know again this this would probably be a good question for you to answer I don't know what uh, what the development for this is going to look like if you're going to have access to a robust SDK or anything like that right off the jump um, I saw there was a framework watch kit that was announced so I don't know if you've looked into that very much yourself, uh, but as for whether or not I'm going to run out and get it, I think I'm going to have to see a couple of reviews first. What uh, about so, yeah? What about you? Uh, well, so you're day one, kind of on the fence, or definitely not day one, just kind of taking a wait and see approach. That's how I'm feeling right now. I mean, you know, I I, I hope they're going to be announcing. Um, maybe a couple more features or functionality that the watch might have between now and when reviews start coming out. Mm -hmm. um, but we'll see. Maybe something at the October iPad event. Yeah. So I will say that I think I'm overall less excited about the Apple Watch than you are. Um, and I will say that I am almost certainly going to be getting one on the day that it comes out. <laughs> And part of that is that I am very excited about doing development for it. Okay. Um, and I, I'm really excited. I, like, I have ideas for, uh, like, for Kitchen Sink. Uh, I would love to have the use case where somebody is walking around the grocery store, picking up groceries, and they're checking items off of their grocery list on their wrist, and they don't have to take their phone out of their pocket. 
um, I think that's really exciting. Um, I'd like to be, you know, it'd be just phenomenal to be one of the first apps that actually supports uh, the Apple Watch. So um, that's why I'm definitely on board day one. But uh, past that, I'm actually excited about the fitness aspects also. Um, being able to track heart rate seems awesome. Uh, taking it with you on a run and be able to, you know, change the volume on your phone or change tracks or uh, any of that seems very cool to me. Um, overall, though, I feel like I don't understand how the watch is going to fit into my life uh, and like the general consumer's life. Um, I think that the fact that it requires an iPhone really kind of hamstrings it to begin with. Um, I think that it's it's big. <laughs> um, obviously, there was no mention of the battery life other than, you know, you can wear it all day um, and it has this kind of inductive charging. So they didn't really say, oh, yeah, you can get 36 hours of wear time and, you know, 24 hours of use or like nothing. So... Um, it seems like that's something that's still being hammered out, and if that ends up, you know, not being adequate, it could just be a non-starter. Um, but kind of like you, I'm looking forward to version three or four, um, just a couple iterations, make it a little smaller, um, give developers some time to, uh, you know, write some really cool software for it. Which did they? You mentioned WatchKit, and you know, I guess this is. What, what I should pay more attention to than you, but uh, I, I don't think that there is an SDK just yet released. Do you know, is there one? No, uh, I, all I know is the term watch kit. I don't really know what that involves or what developers will have access to. Um, mm -hmm. Maybe it'll be, you know, it'll play out like the first generation iPhone where developers didn't really have access to, uh, um, you know, deeper tools. They, you know, they were told to make a web app. So it'll be interesting to see what the development process is like. I've already seen some design mock-ups on Twitter of what other developers are interested in doing, so obviously there's interest. Yeah. Um, overall, though, uh, my general thought of the Apple Watch is that I feel like it could be the first Apple device announced in a while that could fail and could be introduced kind of not with general excitement and it doesn't go anywhere and it just kind of peters out after a while kind of like ping um i yeah 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 but like this is they're obviously making a big deal out of it after the intro video you know there's a standing ovation that seemed really cheesy and almost you know more over the top than uh, i would say is appropriate um which kind of also gave me pause and makes me uh, kind of a little bearish, bullish. Which one is, you expect, maybe bad things? Bearish? Bearish. Bullish is good. Yeah, bearish. So it makes me a, a little overall bearish uh, on the product. Interesting. Yeah, and you uh, mentioned something that stuck out to me and that is this first generation at least at least this first generation of apple watch uh, requires iphone uh, connectivity and it's kind of an open question i mentioned in the last show uh, what a cool use case it would be to use this product with your iPad, uh, ipad and they kind of 
explicitly mentioned iPhone, so uh, although they didn't mention it, I'm hoping that it supports iPad. But just the fact that uh, it only works with an iPhone right now doesn't mean that it won't work on its own or with other devices in the future. I mean, it's easy to point to the iPod and note that it required OS X uh, at the beginning, and then it only really hit critical mass when they opened up uh, Windows support as well. So just because it only requires iPhone now doesn't mean it, it will always require that. Yeah, I guess that's uh, a good point. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Uh, also, you mentioned the battery life, and I think instead of wowing us with fantastic battery life, you know, you can wait three days between charging it, they instead made it really, really effortless to charge it instead. So, it was kind of the trade-off. They seemed to put a lot of effort into engineering a good charging solution, and indeed, it looks really cool. Yeah, it definitely looks cool. I wonder if that's a bad sign, though, because, <laughs> I mean, the thing is thick. Uh, I would hope that like 90% of the thickness is battery and that allows it to get a halfway decent, uh, uh, you know, battery life out of it. Mm -hmm. But if they said, oh, you know what? You're going to have to charge this thing three or four times in a day. We'd better make the charging solution really cool. Um, that's, that's kind of a bad sign. And I don't think that they did that, but, uh, I don't know. Okay, well, um, any any last thoughts on the Apple Watch? Uh, nope, I think that's it. You had something else you wanted to mention about iPhone? Uh, yeah, um, so we talked a little earlier about how cool it is that they're going to be supporting this new generation of Wi-Fi uh, and that you are in the market for a new router, so it's not a bad time to transition over to the event that was on September 10th the day after this new iPhone announcement, which was uh, from T-Mobile. And I, myself, uh, when I was pre-ordering my new iPhone, signed up for the unlocked T-Mobile version from Apple. And so uh, I bring up Wi-Fi because at this event, T-Mobile actually announced a new product that was a uh, router that you can put a $25 deposit down on, get it from T-Mobile, put it in your house, and then using the newly introduced voice over LTE technology in the iPhone, you can make voice calls and send text messages over Wi-Fi instead of cell connection, which is really cool because sometimes you're in a basement or an older building and you don't have great access to these cell towers, but there's fantastic Wi-Fi connection in your building. So that's actually going to be really nice for a lot of everyday use cases where you just don't have great cell reception, but you have actually awesome Wi-Fi connection. And you can mm. buy the device outright for 99 bucks too. So, I mean, I was going to T-Mobile anyway, but it seems like they're going a long way to just sweeten the deal. Is this uh, new router going to support the new air conditioning Wi-Fi standard? Yes. <laughs> okay, then good. Maybe that's a way that I can go. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. So you also pre-ordered your iPhone and went with T-Mobile as well? Uh, yes, I did. I pre-ordered uh, the 64 gig space gray iPhone 4.7 inch for myself and all the same specs, but gold for my wife. Oh, she went with gold. Okay. Yes. Uh, she, <laughs> the like hours before uh, the store was supposed to open up, I was like, uh, babe, you need to, uh, you need to pick what color you want. 
because uh, she was kind of leaning towards Space Gray, but hadn't made a choice yet. So she like, she was already asleep. I woke her up. She pulls out her phone. She looks at the screenshots a little bit, and she's like, "Oh, gold looks really nice. I want to get gold." So that makes me happy. So we we're not going to confuse uh, confuse our phones. Interesting. Yeah, it'll be cool to play with uh, the gold color in person. Um, actually, I. Uh, and I should say, I also went with the 64 gig uh, Space Gray iPhone 6, just the 4.7 inch model myself. And I just couldn't uh, pre-order the 5.5 inch model sight unseen. It just was too too much of a, a risk, in my opinion. Like, just there's too much of an open question of whether or not you can use it in one hand comfortably. Uh, they introduced a new. Um, a new feature that brings half the screen down like so you can tap the buttons in the upper right and left without uh, without moving your hand by just double tapping on the home button and that seems <laughs> that's one way to do it um, I, it seems like a little strange so I, I was happy going with the 4.7 inch model and letting work get the 5.5 inch so I could play with it then or just you know you while I'm in the Apple store yeah you made the right decision yeah thanks uh, all right, cool. Did you have anything else about the event that you want to talk about? So, no, not anything in particular. I'm really looking forward to getting iOS 8. Uh, I've been beta testing it over the summer, and there's some really cool stuff in there. Um, we touched on the frameworks that were introduced uh, last week, and I'm still really looking forward to some of this stuff, like um, uh, HealthKit. We were mentioning how cool the fitness stuff with the, uh, the Apple Watch, I almost said iWatch, with the Apple Watch is, uh, but also a lot of that stuff uh, works with the new iPhone as well. Again, they added that elevation sensing barometer in there, so just uh, a couple of these new frameworks are going to be really, really cool, like app extensions. That's something that I can't really test because third-party developers need to add support to their apps. Um, so once, once that's actually available on the 17th, I'm looking forward to seeing what all the developers have been working on over the summer. Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I, I actually don't have iOS 8 installed yet. Um, and I downloaded it yesterday and I'm looking at the zip file on my desktop and I just couldn't bring myself to install it. I feel like I can wait like three four days. more days yeah. until the actual release. Um, is it, it's Wednesday that it comes out? Yes. Yeah, so you won't get your phone until Friday, but you are going to put iOS 8 on your iPhone 5 you have? An iPhone yeah, 5? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I guess, I guess I will. Yeah, what's the harm? Yeah. Um, I, I think most of the iOS 8 things that I'm really excited about, though, had to do with like iCloud storage and uh, Yosemite integration and it's stuff that's not really going to be realized until Yosemite is out and I can like do the complete switch over to uh you know iCloud for my storage and uh, all that all that good stuff play with things you know on full blast yeah I'm looking forward to Yosemite too I've been running the developer preview and it's been pretty stable but I I've just been having such slowdown on my iMac it's a 2010 model uh, I'm just going to do a clean install, just you know, see if that helps uh, a little bit. Um, okay, cool. Well, do uh, you have anything else? Uh, no, I think that does it for the show uh, then, right? Yeah. 
All right, so if you want to get a hold of me, um, I am at Adam Comp on Twitter. You can find me on LinkedIn if you'd like to follow me. Um, I have a blog that I update very rarely, um, adamcomp.com, and I think that's about it. How can people get a hold of you, Aaron? Awesome. I'm on Twitter, at Aaron Comp. Uh, I have a MySpace and a Pure Volume and a Friendster that you can get at, um, and then I also accept uh, U.S. Postal Mail. Oh my god, that reminds me, you should follow me on Last.fm. Do you have a Last.fm? You know what? I might from like 2006, but I have not logged into it for <laughs> at least five years. I actually just hooked mine up to Spotify, so I've been like scrabbling my songs and back on the horse, and uh, I love it. So, oh yeah, follow should... me on Spotify. Uh, can you can you do that? Yeah, you you have friends on Spotify. I'm your friend. Oh. <laughs> Okay. All right. Cool. So there's your there's your takeaway. Follow both of us on Spotify. <laughs> All right. Great. Good show, man.